you solidify in your relationship and you understand that you love each other. And after that, everybody else's opinions are just opinions. Yeah. And so it's hard. You can only hear that people don't like you so many times before you're like, <laughs> the worst. But I think that if you love someone, you love someone. And so you just have to understand that I was naive and I just thought like, ah, now we're a part of the white community and the black community. But sometimes I now actually feel like we're not fully a part of either one. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody. We are excited to have you here today. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Chelsea Dore. And she has an Instagram that she promotes and then as well as a blog. blog. It's a blog. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> with a with a big, a big B, not yeah. a little B. Our daughter thought we said yeah. vlog. And she was like, she has a vlog. We're like, no, a blog. <laughs> <laughs> So, and if you want to follow her, her Instagram handle and her blog are called Life with the Dort. Doors. It says Dorts. It's spelled Dorts. We'll make sure it's in the notes, though, so you guys can find her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being here today. We are so excited to chat with you. Thank you. All right. So first off, we would love to have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about just who you are, and then we'll get into some of the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm Chelsea, and I am married with four children. I've been in my current marriage for six and a half years or so, and we have three children together. And then my oldest son is from my previous marriage. So I got married when I was 18, and I don't regret it. (laughs) I think it was a great decision still. And we were married for almost four years. My ex-husband ended up having a long-term affair. So we got divorced and they are married now. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, and (laughs) it was a struggle for a while, but it's good now. We're we're fine. When you say it was a struggle, like what what was the struggle? Like what was the biggest (laughs) thing that you struggled with with that? I think that Infidelity is probably one of the most like horrible forms of betrayal for me. And I feel like when you get married, I actually took a course where, and I had a friend tell me one time that you should trust your spouse 80%, not because you don't love them, but because they're human and everybody gets to make their own decisions and everybody makes mistakes and things can happen. And but I think that you should trust your spouse the most of anybody. And so the hardest part for me was seeing them together and watching them interact and letting my son be around them when I knew that they had hid it from me for so long Yeah. and trying to have like a face-to-face relationship with them that was civil when I knew, I mean, cause I had confronted them many times they worked together and I had confronted each of them individually and said, Hey, is something happening that I don't know about? 
you know, I feel like something's going on. And they both were like, no, no, we are just friends. Like, and so for a, a long time, that was the nature of our relationship. And so moving on and trying to have a civil relationship with them yeah. was hard. So re- because, regaining the trust mm-hmm, yeah. from both and of them. And being able to trust what they were teaching my son and trust it. I mean, because really, they obviously didn't have my best interest in mind or it was a very me first and what is best for me choice. And so going forward, I didn't trust that they had my son's best interest in mind and that they would care for him in the way that I would want him to be cared for. So yeah, it was, it was hard for a while, but I think that you move into a space where I met Bedford and um, my husband is named Bedford and I met Bedford and I instantly realized that I was happy in my previous marriage, but not in the way that I was happy in this one. And that there were a lot of things that this marriage offers me that I would never have gotten before. And I think it's a blessing. I, he's happier too. (laughs) So he's happier in his marriage now. And I think that there was a time that we were good for each other. And then there was a time that we weren't. And obviously I don't support the way that it ended. Yeah. But I think that I've said it before, like if that's how it had to end for us to both be able to figure out what was best for us, then that's how it needed to happen. So, yeah, I think Jessica and Steve can relate to that. And, yeah. and so can I. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. So in that, you know, when you finally ended your marriage. Yeah. How long before you got remarried and what was that time like in between marriages? So we separated in Well, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, there was a time where I had found out what was happening and then there was a space where I was still trying to like hang on and make it work. Yeah. But you're still kind of disconnecting in that time. Like you're almost like you're grasping, but really nothing's coming from that. So, and then, I mean, I found out in July and then we separated in October And then I probably didn't start dating again until like March or so after that, maybe even April or May. I don't remember. It took me a while to decide that, especially because I had a child. So I feel like there's kind of this stigma because like I was 22. And so people my age, like it's not their responsibility to care for my child. It's not. And if they don't want to come into a relationship with somebody that has a child, that is their prerogative and there's nothing wrong with that. And so it's hard for me to find someone that was okay with the fact that I already had a child. So I, I met Bedford the following July. So a year later after I figured out what was going on and then we got married the following March. And it was interesting because up until I started dating him, I was like, I'm never really getting married again. Even if I like really love someone. Hey, I said and... the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And now here we are. <laughs> but I was like, I, and I had dated people that I was like, I like being with this person. I like spending time with them. I like being around them. I would be sad if I wasn't with them, but I don't want to marry them. Yeah. And so when I met Bedford, And I, even just the idea of like, I think I could get married again. It was, I realized it was different. There was something different in that relationship. So, and we had a lot of in-depth conversations about 
what my fears were and what I had been through and maybe what our relationship might look like going forward or what our expectations for our relationship. And I think that maybe his openness to that conversation was helpful. So yeah. So in you guys continuing forward, yeah. you guys are a biracial couple, which we yeah. have. So did that bring up any concerns or issues or anything in the beginning or? No, actually, when I was growing up, I mean, in Utah, Blacks are the minority, definitely. So when I was growing up, there was only a couple Black people in my high school. And, but it just seemed like common sense to me that some people were Black and some people were white and some people like that's how you were born. And I was actually very naive to the fact that racism was still a problem or that people had like openly had issues with interracial marriage. I, in my mind, I was actually very, again, I was 22. I grew up in a predominantly white community. So in my mind, I was actually very like, oh, okay, well now I can maybe develop better relationships with people of color. And it kind of like will allow me to have that view, you know? It wasn't until after I got married that I realized that it was actually a problem. So, it's and a problem I think that so. a lot of people in my situation are, I mean, if you grow up in a predominantly white community, I don't think, unless you have specific experiences with it, I think it's hard to understand. So. For sure. So what were the problems that arose after your marriage when you said you realized it became um, a problem? Well, I think that I got a first-hand view into like what racism really is, just I mean, I think you have your large acts of racism, things that we see on the news. You also have just like low key everyday things that you experience that you might not understand. So my very first experience with racism was I was driving out to Chili's. We were meeting for my sister-in-law's birthday and I had my son and my husband, well, we were engaged at the time and he called and said, Hey, can you come pick me up from the police station? And I was like, what? And he was like, I, it's my tags. They're expired. Can you please come get me? Like, I can't talk about it. This isn't the time. And I was like, uh, yeah, I will just, I'm going to drop Jack's off really fast. That's my son's name, Jack. I said, I'm going to just drop him off with your family really fast because everyone's there and then I'll come get you. So I pulled into the parking lot and in the parking lot right next to the restaurant were six police officers. All of their lights were on. I watched them like yank him out of the car. I mean, to say that he was treated much differently than I have ever seen. I mean, myself or my ex-husband, who is white, treated is an understatement. And I, so I dropped Jacks off and I was panicking and they impounded his car. They took him to jail. When I got to the police station, he was still standing there in handcuffs. And I was like, what is happening? And it's because he had expired tax. Oh my so, gosh. And maybe, I think they were like three months expired. So I, like when I walked in, I was like, what is going on? Why, like, what is happening? And my father-in-law walked me outside and basically was like, these are just things that happen. And like, you can't act that way. Like you need to be calm. And in my mind, I was like, no, we don't. Like, that's not how things change, you know? And, but I think, I think that over time I've had just experiences like that where I realized that. You know, when I was in high school, the first time I ever heard anybody use the race card, it was two black kids and they were talking about, I was a sophomore in high school. They were talking about how they had gone out to lunch and they had used the race card for a meal 
that was actually correct, but they said like, this was wrong. Did you do this because I was black? Mm -hmm. And they got their meal for free. And so in my mind, the race card was way overblown. Like, yeah. And people were using it for the wrong reasons and it wasn't a thing, but the race card developed into racism. And I feel like my husband is very even keeled in the sense that he doesn't look for reasons to get offended. And it, he doesn't quickly jump to, this is because I'm black. It's usually me now that's like, wait, why? Like, I don't understand why he's treated differently in certain circumstances. He's usually pulled out of his car when he gets pulled over. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> and so just things like that, that I also like, there's a large community of people that don't agree with interracial marriage. I didn't know that. <laughs> So I get messages every day. Really? Messages yeah. that say what? Every day. What kind of things? Like I'll get messages saying that my husband like watered down his blood to marry a white person or messages that say that I'm not qualified to raise black children because I don't understand what it's like to be a black person in America. So they would be better off with a black mother who understood their challenges and would be able to help them through those challenges. I've accepted that just, I mean, there are a lot of things out there that as parents, you can't necessarily relate to your children because for sure you can't, you know, <laughs> but I know that there are going to be things that happen and I'm just going to have to say, you need to talk to your dad. I can empathize and love you and support you and it's going to break my heart, but I haven't been through it and you will have a better experience talking to your dad because he understands. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not qualified to raise my children. I have received messages of my family's photos, like my family's faces photoshopped hanging from trees. Like it's very extreme. And so it's things that you, you want to believe that people like that don't exist, but they do. And the, the messages come from both sides. I mean, the black community in some ways, they feel very strongly because of racism issues that to black people would be more capable of understanding each other in those issues. Yeah. I posted a photo where my husband didn't put lotion on his legs and people lost it. Like I got a hundred comments from people that were like, if you would have married a black woman, she would never have let you leave the house with ashy legs. Like this is what happens when you marry a white woman. Like, so it's just, <laughs> That's it's crazy. like a barrage of comments. That yeah. I mean, yeah, you would never think that they are like that those types of things exist, but they do. It didn't occur so, to me that you would receive backlash from the black community. Yes. Until- I think that that is something that I expected the least. I just feel like, and it's hard because sometimes when you talk about it, you're not trying. I mean, there's a large portion, probably 90% maybe, (laughs) of the Black community in my community online that are very, very, very loving. And they're very supportive. And they see people as people. But I think that the backlash from the Black community was something that was hard for me to understand. Because I feel like, especially once I grasped the concept of racism, and I was listening to them talk about, you know, you shouldn't judge people for the color of their skin. You should love people for people. You know, you should see color because that's important, but you shouldn't make judgments based off of that color. And so in my mind, I was like, right. And I married someone 
<laughs> because I loved them, uh-huh. not because of, but so I thought I was supporting that desire that they had. And so receiving that backlash was really hard for me. Yeah, I can so, only imagine. Yeah, that'd be super hard. So there was, there's one story that Jessica shared with me about a month and a half ago that, that really resonated with me and helped me understand a little bit more of what the quote unquote white privilege means. And I would love if you could share that story with, with our listeners. And it was the story of when I think Bedford got to your neighborhood with Jack in his car and, and he was crying. Can you share that story? Yeah, we, um, so we had met at a movie theater and went to a movie and then we were going back to actually Bedford's apartment. Okay. And Jax wanted to drive with Bedford. And so I said, that was fine. So he was way ahead of me because he, I took the wrong roads and he did not. And <laughs> when he got there, he called me and Jax was screaming. And I was like, he's like, well, we're here. We're in the parking lot. And I said, just take him inside. And I'll just be there in a minute. And he was like, I am 100% not taking him inside. Because it was the winter, it was probably 8.30, it was dark, and I was like, just take him inside. And he was like, I am 100% as a black man not carrying a screaming white child through a dark parking lot. That is not happening. And I thought it was crazy because in my mind, I was like, well, you could just easily be like, it's my girlfriend's kid. Like, I, I think we were engaged. Like, in my mind, it was easily explainable but he would not do it. Yeah. And so when I got there, we went inside and it was fine. But it was, we were engaged because fast forward, I want to say like six or seven months and we were at the zoo and I was pregnant. So I had a honeymoon baby. (laughs) That's wonderful. But I was (laughs) pregnant and he, it was hot and Jax was again throwing a fit. And so he picked him up and was carrying him through the zoo. And I watched this woman like tap the person next to her. And then she was like, look, 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 do we need to call someone? And here's the thing. In some ways, I'm grateful, especially with all the child trafficking stuff that's going on right now. You, I'm grateful that people look at something and say, that's odd. That is strange. <laughs> Maybe there's a black man carrying a screaming white child should this be something that we're worried about? But the problem that I have with it is that my other three children are black. Like, especially in the summertime, they, people ask me all the time if they're my children and, or if I adopted them or whatever the narrative is. But I way too many times have left a room or walked out of a grocery store or a restaurant with a screaming black child And no one says a word. And it's because I am a good person. I'm the person that probably adopted this child. And I am, you know, and obviously I'm not, I had someone comment and say like, that's probably not the right wording. And I'm not saying like, I'm a saint. But sometimes I feel like it's a saint and sinner thing. You're talking about how people perceive it, right? Yeah, that's how people, I mean, clearly that's not what I think of myself. I am a very imperfect person, but when people perceive the two of us, it's very different. 
Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, look at that beautiful baby. Did you adopt them? But then when my husband is seen alone with my older child, it's like, he probably is kidnapping him. <laughs> There's something wrong. Yeah, and I think horrifying. that that's the difference in perception that I don't feel comfortable with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what is like the relationship between your son and your husband? Um, <laughs> it has ebbs and flows, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, how old, when we got, I mean, how old is your son? Your oldest ahead. son? How old is your oldest My son? My oldest is nine. And he's okay. the one and from your prior marriage? He was two. Yes. Okay. So he was two when we got married. He just turned nine. And I think it was hard because when we got married, I mean, Bedford had never had a child before. And yeah. he was extra harsh on Jax because in his mind, a two-year-old should act like this or a two-year-old should do this or it just... He did it. So he was really strict. He was yeah. really hard on him because he went straight into having a two-year-old, not a baby. And I think that Jackson's very sensitive. He's just a sensitive child. And Bedford is very not. So <laughs> the two of them, Bedford is just not sensitive at all. He's very good with me sometimes. And outside of that, it's just like not his forte. And that's <laughs> totally fine. But I think that Jackson sometimes views it as, Maybe he doesn't care or yes. he doesn't. Yeah. I relate with you know. Bedford on so many levels with this. Good. <laughs> Just because. So I saw her put her hand over. Yeah. So Penny, <laughs> she knows. Penny, who is Jessica and Steve's daughter, very, very sensitive individual. And, and me, I am not. And she is. <laughs> she's a rule follower. And that's Jackson. if you get upset with her. You just have to talk to her. Like, she just needs you to talk to her and not, like, freak out. And Matt was very explosive when we first got married. That is exactly how Jackson is. And sometimes I ask myself if I did it too much. Like, did I explain too many things rather than saying, like, listen, these are just the rules. That's why. Because I said so. Because I was not that mom. I was not the mom that said, because I'm telling you to and I'm the mom. That's why I would explain it because he's a very logical child. He wants to understand everything. (laughs) And Bedford is very much because I freaking said so. That's why. (laughs) Like, and he was always like, I just don't feel the need to explain everything to a three-year-old. I just don't. And so Jack would kind of sidestep Bedford. And then I found myself being overprotective of Jack. Yeah. And not allowing Bedford to parent him like I was. I mean, I found myself and I had to check myself and say, okay, so you're coming into this relationship and you're asking him to love him. You're asking him to financially provide for him. You're asking him to put a roof over his head and all of those other things and accept him. But he's not allowed to discipline him without me jumping down his throat and saying like, hey, you know, and yeah, that puts him in a rough spot. Yeah, exactly. And so he, I mean, we had probably been married for a couple of years before he said, I just don't feel like you allow me to fully be his parent. And um, I really had to like take a step backwards because again, I understand Jax. And so sometimes Jax will do things that I'm like, well, you could easily have fixed it if you just said it like this, but he's not me and he deserves to parent in his own way. And I need to allow him to do that. Yeah. So what their about, relationship is evolving and growing. Yeah. And they're, 
I think recently Jackson started playing basketball, which Bedford loves. And so that's something that they do together. And he one night was laying in bed and Bedford notoriously in bed will always say, what was your favorite part of your day? Like as he's falling asleep. And I, sometimes it drives me nuts, but it's a really good thing. And so then I said like, well, what was your favorite part of your day? And he said, taking Jack to play basketball. And I cried because that was like the first time that I think I had really seen them. And this was six months ago. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, that was the first time that I had really seen him enjoy his time with Jack and say like, I'm really excited to go tomorrow or next week or whatever. And so it takes time. Oh, yeah. A growing thing. You guys know. (laughs) For sure. So how are your differing parenting styles working with your Your kids? kids? I feel like they're semi-similar. Aside from the fact that I felt like I needed to kind of shield Jax and like protect him, I feel like they're still pretty similar. I feel like I am more likely to... I'm more lenient or... I'm more like last night, for example, our five-year-old came into our room and we have a strict, like, you're not allowed to sleep in our bed policy. That's just, we can't do that. And so my husband has said, you, he can sleep on the floor if he wants. Okay. <laughs> like, that's fine. He can sleep on the floor. He's not sleeping in our bed. I was like, I don't care. Um, my five-year-old is just a horrible sleeper. He's maybe slept 30 days in his whole life through the <laughs> night. So he came into our room last night. And he like brings his pillow and blanket in to lay on the floor. And my husband was like, go back to your room. And I was like, wait, (laughs) he's sleeping on the floor. You can't just say you could sleep on the floor and then change your mind. And he's like, whatever. He's like so mad about it because he's just very like, does it where I'm more likely to be like, are you okay? Like, did you have a bad dream? (laughs) And like, sure, you can sleep right here. (laughs) And so... It's just our parenting styles are just very different. Anything emotional, he is like, cut, no. And I'm like, you can't teach them that. They're kids. They should learn to have emotions and be able to express themselves without you just being like, no. But then again, there's times that I'm like, I'm too lenient or I'm too soft. Like I need to be more of a disciplinarian. So, Well, and I think that's the beauty of having more than one parent, right? Is that you mm-hmm. get this blend and hopefully a balance between the two because yeah. I mean, none of us three parent the same for sure. And so Penny sure. has got three different people in her life. Because I do a better job than they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> one's the better parent. I'm kidding. I'm, like, kidding. Ah. I'm kidding. I feel like I need to edit that out. <laughs> oh gosh. We know, everybody knows you're kidding, Steve. But then also, I mean, like with Matt's kids as well, they're parented by, they've got four adults that are in their lives and they just, sure. you know, it's all different and it's not necessarily bad. It's just different. Sure. And it's hard on kids, but they're flexible and they learn and they grow in understanding. Sure. So it's not necessarily... Well, I think it's when I was raising Jacks by myself, there were definitely shortcomings in like him as a child. Like there yeah. were certain things that I just didn't do as a parent. Like yeah. I wasn't great at disciplining. I wasn't great at like following through when I said, if you don't stop, you are going to a timeout. Like I just wasn't good at doing that because I also disciplines me, yeah. you know, like you have to <laughs> supervise the timeout. So I just wasn't good at that. And yeah. the children need that. They need to understand that there's consequences for decisions. And, but I do feel like, because I mean, you obviously don't want one parent to be 
the fun parent and the one parent yeah. to be the parent that's always disciplining. So I feel like over time, we've both grown to be a little bit more equal. I mean, again, our children know, like if I'm like, I'm going out to dinner with my friends, dad's putting you to bed. They're like, no, <laughs> because I am like, okay, everybody go get a snack, get a drink. Let's get in our bed. Okay. We'll read a book. But he's like, get in bed. So it's, I mean, there's just things that will always yeah, be different, but I sure. do feel like over time you just kind of start to do things a little bit more similarly. Yep. So, Oh, go Matt. I was just going to ask, so what is it like co-parenting Jax with your ex? That's exactly and what I was what is, ask. you know, what is the, the custody agreement? Yeah. Arrangement with you guys. <sighs> you know, so our custody arrangement, we never went to court. We did everything online. We sat down, we discussed things that were each like things that were important to me, things that were important to him. And they just went into our papers. So, and I feel like overall, we're pretty flexible. So originally our custody agreement was that he would see him every Thursday and every other weekend. And that was it. And we would switch holidays. So then he called me maybe a year in and just said, Hey, you know, Jax is going to be starting school in a couple of years. And I know that once he starts school, I'm not going to be able to accommodate his school schedule. Can I have him every other week until he starts school? And I think that that was the first time that like I had this realization of like, my kid's going to turn 18 and I will have spent approximately nine to 10 years of his life with him. Yeah. If he is with his dad all the time and how much do I miss and how much I, um, and it took me like, and he was great about it. He was like, listen, take your time. Like, but I just, I know that as he gets older, I will lose time because yeah. he lives with you. His friends are with you. His school is with you. He goes to church with you and he's going to get to an age where he turns 14 and says, dad, I don't want to come. My friends are having a sleepover and I can't disrespect that. So it wouldn't be okay if I took time now. And I can't say no to that. Yeah. I wanted to, but I just can't, you know? So he had Jax every other week for a couple of years. And then when Jack started school, he went to every other weekend. Wow. And then during the summers, he goes to his dad's every other week. And then when COVID happened and my ex-husband started working from home and school was out, he called and said, hey, I'm working from home. I know it's not the summer yet, but would it be okay if we did every other week? And now that Jax is nine, we give him the choice. And he said that he, he was like, well, can I go for like five days and see how that is? And then maybe we can do a whole week. And we were like, yeah, that's fine. So I feel like it's pretty flexible. There was a period of like five years that my ex-husband didn't pay child support. And I still let him see his kid. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just, I don't believe you pay for the right to see your child. They're your child. And obviously it wasn't convenient. But that's just kind of the way it was. Jax wanted to see his dad and his dad wanted to see him. And our marriage ended poorly. And maybe he wasn't the best husband at the end, but he was a good dad. So that's interesting. The child support topic that hasn't come up in our podcast yet. Uh-uh. We haven't talked much about it. Which tends to be a major issue in a lot of yeah. divorce scenarios. Well, and kudos to you for looking past some of the things that do. I mean, people get mad about all the time. And mm -hmm. just kind of letting some of those go because it is it is his dad and seeing that, you know, just because he wasn't a great spouse to you, that doesn't mean he's not a great parent. That's something we kind of right. 
really encourage people to focus on is, listen, just because they're not a great spouse You got to see the difference. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're not a great parent. So, Well, I think that there's a lot of blinding factors when it comes to joint custody because a lot of it is just like a stab in the gut over and over and over again. Like there's not a lot of good things about joint custody for anyone really. And I think that, I mean, I... Jackson's been to Disneyland twice and I've never been on those trips. So he got to go to Disneyland for his first time and his second time with his dad. And I didn't get to be there. And, you know, there, he has actually never lost a tooth at my house. Oh, (laughs) it's like, I feel you. I feel you. Okay. Ticks me off. (laughs) Like, okay. I take it back. He lost a crowned tooth that the dentist took out and his dad as the tooth fairy pays a lot of money. So that <laughs> is a plus because he came home and he was like, yeah, the tooth fairy usually gives me like 10 bucks. And I was like, yee. Okay. <laughs> well, now might be the time that we discuss the tooth fairy because um, uh, that's not happening. But I, it's like, there's things you miss. You, yeah. the holidays that they're gone. Like it's, so when it comes to discussing joint custody, I think that sometimes there's multiple reasons that people have issues with it. And number one, it's because you love your kid. You don't have a baby and think, I kind of only want to see you sometimes. You want to tuck them into bed every night. You want to like look in the rear view mirror and see their car seat. You want those things and you don't get those. And it's a constant reminder that they're not there. So it's a very selfless decision to share your child with their parents. But ultimately, I just came down to the decision that my child's not a pawn. You know, he's not something to be bartered or like worked into this is what makes you deserve to see your child. Like we made that child together and we both deserve, if he's not in danger, we both deserve to see that child. And regardless of whether he has paid to see him or not, that's not something that I think is acceptable. So, yeah, it sounds like you've been extremely flexible with that co-parenting relationship. Do yeah. you, have you ever felt that there has been flexibility is great until yeah. that flexibility is completely taken advantage of? Yeah. Have you ever felt that flexibility has been taken advantage of? No, I think in our situation though, it's because we have never been to court. And I think that my ex-husband knows that if we were to ever end up in court, we have a problem, Yeah, you know? And because back child support is a lot of money over five years. And so number one, I think that we both are very clear about what Jack's best interests are. And we have let Jack make a lot of his own decisions for the last like three years. So if Jack is at his dad's and I mean, I'm very blessed. It swings in my direction regularly. And it's because for the first little while when my ex-husband was seeing someone else, he did not see Jack for a while. So there was a period of time that it was just us. And he also has three siblings here. All of his friends are here. But if Jack says like, Hey, I kind of just want to go to my, I, you know, his dad's very accommodating of that. So I think that between the fact that we both have his best interest in mind, also, if we ended up in court, it would not yeah. swing his direction, I think pushes him to be a little bit more easy to work with. Yeah. So, but overall, I do think that he just loves Jax and he 
he works really hard to maintain that relationship. He was going to go to law school and he got accepted to a law school out of the state and didn't go because he wanted to be able to be here and be around to be able to watch Jax grow up. And so that's something that I can respect and want to work with. So, yeah. Do your husband and your ex-husband have a relationship? No. No interactions? No. (laughs) What about you? Um, Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. They interact if they have to. Otherwise, they. my husband does not speak to him. And it sounds really bad, but I think there's a little bit of an intimidation factor in that relationship. My husband now is like a big black man. Like he's, <laughs> he's very intimidating until you get to know him. He comes across very intimidating just in general. Well, we um, heard about his parenting disciplinary style. <laughs> I'm a little scared of him now. <laughs> you should. You should. He is very straightforward. He is very clear cut. He does not beat around the bush. So it makes him very intimidating. He is also, I guess I should add this in, (laughs) but he is also one of the people that like, he'll sit down with our friend's kids who are 10 and be like, Hey, how are things going? What kind of plans do you have with for the summer? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's a very attentive person. But you have to dig in there <laughs> to get to that point. He's just very, comes across very intimidating. And so I think that there was also a period of time when we were getting married that my ex-husband started to say like, wait a second, maybe we made the wrong decision. Like, because all of a sudden it was a reality to him that my life was moving forward. Yep. And that was hard for him to, I mean, it was hard. I accepted that he was being someone else, but he didn't have to accept that. And I think that even if you don't want to be with someone, it's hard to see them with someone else. Yeah. And so they don't talk. And I'll be honest, I think that it's mostly because my husband now never had an attachment to him. So all he knows is this is why my marriage ended and he can't respect that. So where I... There was an attachment there at one point. It's easier for me yeah. to um, respect him and uh, like respect him as the father of my son but or our son. But Bedford just is very like, if I have to, I'll deal with it. It's fine. I don't care. But he has zero desire to have conversations. Hmm. So. And do you have a relationship with your ex-husband's wife? No. no. Okay. Um, I'm just always when, curious how, so, those, how those no, it's relationships fine. are. I think that once she realized like, I know what's happening. Like I was married before he actually, my ex-husband said I had an affair. Like it was very obvious. I called to pay my power bill one day and they said, which address do you want to pay? Like there were very obvious things that were happening, but neither of them would admit it. So I think once I realized, like they were living together and there was a day where I was like, I just don't want to feel this way about someone. Like I don't like, I don't like that feeling of like you see someone and your stomach sinks and you're like, you instantly feel like you want to crawl out of your skin. Like, I don't like that. And so I, when I dropped Jax off at their apartment, like I hugged her and I just said like, please take care of my kids. Like, I'm sorry that things happened the way that they happened. But ultimately, if we're both going to be in his life, I need to know that when he's with you, that you are treating him the way that I would. Like, if you're going to be a mother figure, I need you to do that. Like, other than that, like, everything's fine and it is what it is. And I walked away from that feeling so much better. But to be honest, we never really see each other. She doesn't come to pick up or drop off. 
she's very rarely there when I drop him off. I don't see her very often. Yeah. Where is so, pick up and drop off? Is it at their home? Or? Yeah. So we, we pick up and drop off at each other's houses. So one person drops off, the other person picks up or drops off. <laughs> so we just, we each do our own drop off. And I mean, in, we're pretty flexible, but it's generally at our houses. And I very, very, very rarely see her. I, to be yeah. honest, I don't think I've seen her in over a year. Wow. I asked Jax, I said, is she there? And he was like, yeah. What, there, but I haven't seen her for a long time. What is Jax's relationship with her? Has he given you much invitation? He loves her. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, this year, probably, Jax is like a very inquisitive child. He asks a lot of questions. He's very, he like won't settle for the base answers. So when we went through the divorce parenting class, they said, you know, don't talk to your children about why you got divorced. Just tell them that you both love them and that that's it. And it just wasn't working. So Jax first asked why we got divorced when he was four. Yeah. And that was really early for me. I did not expect him to want to know that early. And I just told him like, you know what? It just, I, I did exactly what they told me to do. And from four until nine, he asked all the time. And then in this last year, he started asking if he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Jackson, I, in the divorce parenting class, they say that children will project on themselves like frequently, like wonder if they did something. And I kind of just didn't think that would happen to me because he was one. Yeah. So I didn't think that he was old enough, but he started saying like, did I do something? Did it happen because you, and I think he did it because he was so young and he thought maybe we had him and then something went wrong. Yeah. And he couldn't let that go. And so then we came to the conclusion that we would just tell him like when mom and dad were married, dad met his wife. They decided that they had feelings for each other and they started seeing each other. His dad has told him like, that was a bad decision. That should not have happened. I should not have treated your mom that way. Um, and I think that after that, I was worried that it would affect his relationship with them, but it didn't. I think it was like a burden lifted for yeah. him to really understand what happened and understand that he had nothing to do with it and he couldn't have done anything different. He was a baby. Yeah. And so, but he loves them and he has, my ex-husband adopted his niece because his sister passed away and she is 10 and Jack oh. is nine. So <laughs> they get along really well and he loves being there, especially during quarantine. He's actually preferred to be there Yeah, because he has her. So. Wow. Well, good for you guys. I mean, that's a lot of work Thanks. and a lot of figuring things out. We it know is. we know it's it's hard to make all of that work and to understand each other. Do you guys have any other questions? I don't think so. I mean, you've obviously done a lot of hard work. You've put in a lot of time. And um, what would be what would be the one? Sorry, the slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, what would be the huh. one piece of advice <laughs> that you would give somebody who may be going through? a co-parenting issue or maybe an interracial marriage issue? Well, so people like I get lots of messages actually from, and it'll just be random people that will say like, Hey, I, I just found out that my ex-husband or that my husband had an affair or I'm getting divorced and I can't imagine not having my child all the time. And I really struggle in those situations because I feel like it's, 
not a one size fits all type of situation. But the thing that I generally tell people is to like, take the time to feel your feelings and understand that there's not a set time where you're like, okay, I have to figure this out right now. I have to decide how I feel. I have to have all the answers right this second. And I need to like, there are some very real feelings that come from being divorced and the realization that you have to share your child and that you don't, I mean, it's really life altering. And I think that people think I have to have it all figured out. And so I think that the biggest thing is I usually just tell people like, it's a process that you're going to figure out for the rest of their lives. Like it's something that until they're responsible for their own, like their own lives and they get to make those decisions by themselves, it's an ever evolving process and anything could change. And so it's important to just kind of take some time to feel your feelings and settle yourself and then make those decisions. So, but I do think that the most important thing, and like I said it before, is like there's a sense of selflessness that has to be in there somewhere. And it doesn't matter how they treated you or how you feel about them or what they did or whatever, like there's a sense of selflessness that comes from loving your child and wanting them to have both parents. And ultimately you are blessed to have a parent that wants to be there. Yeah. There are plenty of children out there, like their parent doesn't see them or doesn't want to see them. They don't get to see their mom. Their dad was never around. And they're left with that feeling of like, why? Why don't they want to see me? Why don't they? And my child doesn't have that. Like he knows that he has four parents that absolutely love him, that want to spend their time with him. If they could have him all the time, they would. And that's a blessing as much as it sucks. So when you're ready, there's some selflessness that has to come in before you start making those decisions. And ultimately, I think it's actually very sad how many messages I get from people that will say like, I'm about to marry a black man. And I'm a little bit nervous because I never felt those feelings going into marrying Bedford. But again, their experiences could be totally different than mine. But I think that ultimately the biggest thing that has helped me is realizing that I'm not made for everyone. Like there are going to be people that hate me. There are going to be people that don't agree. There are going to be people that don't think I did what I, you know, and that's okay. Like that's fine. It doesn't really affect me. It doesn't change. It's not going to make Bedford be like, he actually just pulled up in the van. (laughs) So I'm like (laughs) pointing. But um, it's not going to make him be like, you know, (laughs) maybe this isn't right. Like it really has no impact on our relationship. You, You solidify in your relationship and you understand that you love each other and after that, everybody else's opinions are just opinions. Yeah. And so it's hard. You can only hear that people don't like you so many times before you're like, <laughs> the worst. But I think that if you love someone, you love someone. So, yeah. Yeah. and like, you just, that's okay. And so you just have to understand that I was naive and I just thought like, ah, now we're a part of the white community and the black community. But sometimes I now actually feel like we're not fully a part of either one. Yeah. And I mean, interracial couples are sometimes their own little community because you can't ever feel fully accepted in either community. So it's, there's just a level of, or raising mixed children. Like you have to understand that there are going to be people that don't think you're doing a good job or whatever. But again, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah. so 
what can we do to help when it comes to these matters of race that are so prevalent today and racism? What can we do to move this in the right direction from from some like from my standpoint, I feel like I don't know. I feel somewhat uneducated and a little bit ignorant on these topics. Like I don't know what I don't know what helps and what in my ignorance does just the opposite. So Well, and that's well, yes. I think that there are things that I'm kind of hesitant to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I could get eaten alive for this, but I'm just going to say it. I think that sometimes people struggle to see intent. Yes. They just jump to what they think, like they are trying to be offended. (laughs) And so sometimes I think when it comes to trying to appease or like say the right things or whatever it's very intimidating as a white person because you can say something in with the best of intentions and you could still be dead freaking wrong. <laughs> and it's because just like every white person doesn't have the same opinion, every black person also doesn't have the same yeah. opinion. So what you say, some people will say like, do they want to be called black? Do they want to be called African-American? Do they want to... And my husband's like, I don't care. You can call me whatever you want. But that's not going to be the right answer for someone else. Someone else is going to be like, no, you call me African-American. Where some people are like, call me black. I'm black. So when people are trying to figure out like, what can I do? What do I say? How Sometimes you can feel like you are walking on eggshells because I feel that what <laughs> you say, yeah, it's really kind of an awful feeling. And sometimes I think that there would be a lot of good that would come from people just looking and saying, for example, when people come to me and say, did you adopt your children or where did you adopt them from? I have two choices. I can say this person is so ignorant to the fact that maybe my husband's black and maybe these are my actual children. And like sometimes Bedford's like family will be like, that's really rude that they ask you that. Or my friends will say, that's really rude. I can't believe people ask you that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, but at the same time, it's a possibility. I could have adopted them. So, but my response is always like, you know what? My husband is actually from Haiti. And they're like, oh my gosh, they are beautiful. And you see their intent after that. Yeah. So in your response, you understand that their intent was never to be rude they're complimenting your children. And so I think that it would go a long way for people to recognize your intent and say they're trying. Yeah. And this is a heavy topic for me. I feel like there's a lot I could say, but when I originally, the first time I ever said anything about race, I wrote a blog post. It was almost six years ago. And we were on Nightline and we were on CNN and it was the craziest thing I've ever done. In my mind, I was like, look at me. I'm trying to understand. I'm like putting myself out there and I'm trying to be understanding and be an ally. And I got shredded for like a year. Just, I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. My husband was married to a racist. (laughs) Like it was insane because again, like there were some things that maybe I could have said better, but ultimately it was they, I felt like they were crying for people to understand and see them. And I was trying, but my effort was not enough. It needed yeah. to be perfect. So what I will say is 
what you can do is educate in your home, talk to your children about how people are born different. And that's the beautiful part about this world is that there is so much diversity. Sometimes like children will say, why are you so black? And parents will be like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. I am so sorry. And Bedford's like, no, nope. We are having this conversation. And he'll say it all the time. Like if children are like, look at that person, they're fat. It's a negative thing. You shut it down immediately because it's rude. But if someone, if a child says like, why is that person black? And you do the same thing. Yeah. It's now a negative thing for them. It's a good point. So allowing children to have those conversations. So he'll say like, you know what? My parents both have this same skin. And so when I was born, I have the same skin as them because they live in a different country. And children are very quick to say like, oh, that's super cool. And they understand it. And from now on, it's it's not taboo anymore. They fixed it. And um, it's not an uncomfortable thing. So I think it's education. Talk to your children about diversity and differences. I mean, it's hard in a predominantly white community, but broadening your circle of friends and just like introducing yourself to someone else and like maybe getting to know someone that you see at the gym regularly, you know, I think is important because then you learn culture. But really, like important things like your uncle that usually makes racist jokes, but you know them and you think it's, you know, it's important to say like, kind of not funny, you know, like it's actually, that's actually kind of offensive. Yeah. Even if you know that it's not and you know their intent and you know they're just joking, but it's things like that, that I think do the most good because it's too much to say like, go out and change the world. That's too much. So I think yeah. you you hone in like your little world that you deal with on a regular basis and you do what you can there. Diversify your media, buy books that represent all different kinds of people, like have conversations about racism. We approach racism from a historical standpoint regularly because it happened and it's real and yeah. it makes it real for them. Yep. So super awesome advice. Yeah. Appreciate Good. it. I'm not always the person to be giving it because <laughs> I feel very inadequate myself, but that's what we do. That makes so. us, that makes me feel better just because I also feel inadequate all of the time about this topic. And it's like, well, like you're living it, breathing it every day. Well, and people are like calling you to action. Like people will call you out and like expect you to say something. So you like feel this need, yeah. Yeah. especially in my platform, like yeah. right now with all of the, trafficking stuff that's going on, I feel like that. I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to say. I'm not educated enough. I feel inadequate. But people want you to say something. You're supposed to know. Yeah. And so then you say something completely uninformed and then it's wrong. And so I'm very much of the opinion like if you don't know what to say, educate and learn. And you don't need to say anything. Yeah, (laughs) there's, you know, you don't need to have the right answers or know what to say. It's just you find something that you don't know a lot about and you educate and that's all you can do. So Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. We love chatting with you. So many great tidbits throughout that. And again, for all of our listeners, if you are interested in more, go follow Chelsea at Life with the Dorts. 
I'm going to say Dorts just so that people hear it. Do it. <laughs> it is Dorts. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, we will link her information in our show notes so you can just go click over there to find her. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you. Hey everyone, for the takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change, our bodies change, things change. And so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you. 